0: Hello, and welcome to this emergency episode of Commercial Observer's The Backstory. In the fast-paced world of investment and real estate, some decisions can send ripples across the market, hinting at broader trends and potentially shaping the future. Such is the case with Fortress Investment Group's recent acquisition of approximately $1 billion in office loans from Capital One. Now this isn't just any acquisition, it signifies a substantial bet on the resurgence of New York City's office sector. Today, we have the privilege of diving deep into this news with Andrew Cohen, the editor who broke this story, and Kathy Cunningham, our executive editor. They will discuss the implications of this move, the state of New York City's office sector, and what this means for the future of urban real estate. So without further ado, let's dive right in.
1: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this a special edition of our podcast series. My name is Kathy Cunningham. I'm the executive editor of Commercial Observer, and I'm joined today by one of my fearless finance reporters, Andrew Coyne. Hi, Andrew. How's it going today?
2: Hi, Kathy. Great to be with you.
1: So, we're here to talk today about. Basically, one of our biggest breaking news alerts that we've had, uh, in recent memory at least, uh, and it's a story that you actually wrote last week. And just to give our readers a kind of, you know, context of what the story was, the headline was Fortress makes one $1 billion bet on NYC Office Rebound with Capital One Loan Portfolio Buy. So we're going to break down the story today and talk a little bit about first of all how we found out about this, second of all, what it means. And also we've had such a high level of reader engagement in the story and very curious readers reaching out to us on the story. So let's talk about that and why by the way that might be happening also. So just to put this in context, Andrew, let's start from the very beginning. How did you receive this tip?
2: Yes. Well, it was it was the timing of it was uh was very strange as well. It was on a uh, wednesday evening you know august 16th uh you know thought work was done for the day and uh all of a sudden get this tip and it was uh it was quite a surprise not not, not just that the to get a, a tip at that time but the 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 story that it was about basically and the office and, and the sector that it was about you know being being office it was very surprising and you know obviously we once we got this tip, we we had to uh, do some digging to confirm it. And we, you know, were able to, thankfully, and got the story up, uh, you know, fairly quickly. Um, had it run that uh, Thursday morning as a breaking news alert. And as you said, it got quite the uh, quite the reader engagement, to say the least.
1: And just your description of it kind of makes me think of like, you know, either like a, an old, old story or a creepy story or something like that. It was a dark and stormy night and late at night. <laughs> but well, what did the tip look like and how did you how did you receive it?
2: You know, obviously, we don't reveal our sources to say Correct. the least. But you know, it was a text message, and I, I read it, and and I was it was kind of a heads up about basically saying you know that Capital One had unloaded a, a roughly one billion dollar uh, portfolio of office loans, with most of them being or the brunt of it being in New York City, concentrated, and. That was the only information we had, and um, Bloomberg, you know, for context, had done a story a week before, a week prior that had talked about how a lot of banks, including Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, had some trouble offloading uh, a lot of their debt, a lot of their commercial real estate debt, not just office, uh, but also uh, hospitality and even multifamily. So so that was also, you know, so it was a surprise in the sense that not not only was it office, but just the fact that given the timing of that story also made it interesting.
1: Definitely. And I think there's definitely, like you said, been a lot of pressure on banks to to offload some of these loan portfolios. And from our understanding, there's a very limited buyer pool for for office loans, which I I assume is why the story got so much traction in terms of our readership and people reaching out for more details. So you did mention the unknowns. So tell us what we don't know so far about this portfolio sale.
2: Well, we, we don't know what you know what the you know what the discount was or what uh, or how much of a discount there was you know in terms of uh, you know the Bloomberg story had mentioned that a lot of the lenders you know were willing to sell these portfolios you know for a haircut just just to get them off their books but it's a, it's still a mystery what you know what this sold for what the, you know we know it was roughly one billion but we don't know we don't know the price we also don't know the properties affected so hopefully we'll get more clarity. On that. I mean, we do what we do know though is that the you know Capital One and their second quarter earnings, which we had of the story, that they had moved nearly $900 million of dollars of loans from its office portfolio to the held for sale uh, designation. Uh and also the Bloomberg story, which I referenced, uh, you know, sources in that story had mentioned they did reference Capital One and they did say at that time that they were struggling to offload a debt portfolio. Uh, Heavily concentrated in the tri-state region. So it's not just New York City, it could be New Jersey or even Connecticut, but it's from what we've been told, it's majority, vast majority is New York City, most likely Manhattan uh, office properties.
1: Right, and it's very like different. I think to see a story like this, where these loans are changing hands, right? In terms of like we've seen a lot of office distress, a lot of New York City office distress. So to see a firm that's out there actively buying up these loans is something that's really, really different. And just to your points, so I know that you reached out to Fortress for this, you reached out to Capital One, you reached out to various other sources, as did I, just to kind of like help you with the story, because I think it's one that's definitely under the radar. People don't necessarily want to talk about it very openly. Um, so which I completely understand. Um, and one of my sources did say that. You know historically, Fortress has bought up loans at you know near par. Um, but we do obviously think there must be a discount involved here. It's just the big question is how much of a discount? So, which we, we may never know, but um, yeah. I think it's pretty interesting stuff. And so, Andrew, why do you think I know that i received a lot of calls in the story, you have too. So, from your perspective, you know, what is a big pull to the story, and why is it so important for, for New York real estate and also for the broader just you know industry in terms of seeing trades like this happen?
2: Yeah, well, I think. The fact that it's New York City and it's office together—that alone is 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 a big pull. Uh, But also, I think the fact that you know, which another another aspect of the story that we had in there was that Fortress is you know they're betting on a rebound in New York City office. So it's you know which we haven't heard a lot of. You know, there's been a lot of you know doom and gloom a a lot in terms of New York City office, but perhaps Fortress has a different outlook on this. Again, it's still a mystery what their what their plans are. Maybe possibly they're looking at some of these properties for for conversions even too. But you know, I mean, clearly the office this market is going to look different but perhaps fortress still sees you know it still can thrive even if it is largely a hybrid uh setup
1: Definitely. Also, I also think the timing of this is really interesting just in terms of, I think we're expecting a lot of activity as the year kind of comes to a close. Uh, also a lot of, you know, distressed um, portfolio sales. Not, not that this is necessarily what's distressed. I think there's no indication of that. It's just really their, their office loans. But um, I think that we're expecting a lot of activity after Labor Day, but it's also interesting to me that it closed really in the dog days of summer. This, this, uh this portfolio <laughs> sale
2: closed. So it has definitely not been, been quiet, you know, in August, I yep, would say we've been getting a lot of stories. We, a lot of, a lot of deals have been closing too, um, which is a, a pleasant surprise as well. And and also getting back to the office market real quick, like, well, obviously, it's not back to what it was in 2019. And I don't think it probably ever will be. But it, I will say New York, though, has on a positive front has, you know, performed better uh, with occupancy, uh, physical occupancy compared to other large cities, I think a large Part of that though is, is there's a lot of financial services companies who are you know really pushing, and real estate companies, of course, as well, who are really pushing the, you know, five days a week or four days a week, you know, in in the office. So that certainly helped. But the latest numbers, uh, which uh, we have reported on recently, was that visits to New York City office properties were up sixteen percent uh, from twenty twenty two. Now down twenty two percent from twenty nineteen, but. Again, compared to other cities, where it's much, it's a much larger gap.
1: Right. it's not all doom and gloom. I think you and I have talked about obviously the San Francisco uh, doom and loop things like that. So it's not all bleak, Not all bleak is what you're saying, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. But you know, obviously, that does it. It doesn't mean though that there's that the office valuations are not going to going to sink. Right. That's a whole other story, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but it, again, it makes that's what makes this this buy so you know so interesting. Uh, to readers, I think, is well, why why is Fort just you know, why you know, what do they see that maybe we don't see in terms of New York City office uh properties.
1: Absolutely. And like that kind of also plays into the valuation dips you're talking about too, right? In terms of caprice uh expanding. Property values declining. It's been a really, really rough time for our industry, and office has been one of the obviously the hardest hit assets. So, definitely, would love to know what Fortress is up to. And any any listeners that, that do know, please tell us. <laughs> yes,
2: absolutely. We'll have another podcast, hopefully once once we find out. <laughs>
1: well, Andrew, thanks for your time today. Thanks for taking us behind your scoop. I'm sure many more to come. And um, let's see whether the end of this year brings.
0: Thank you all for joining us on this enlightening discussion with Andrew Cohen and Kathy Cunningham about Fortress Investment Group's bold move in the New York City office sector. The intricacies of this acquisition and its potential impact on the market is a testament to how dynamic and evolving the world of commercial real estate can be. For those eager to delve deeper into the scoop and get all the nitty-gritty details, we urge you to visit our website and read the original article written by Andrew himself. Until next time, this is... Commercial Observer's The Backstory. Stay informed and stay curious.